Welcome to this week's episode of the Comeback Girl podcast. My guest this week is Amanda Newman. This is a lady who did a stats degree, but she totally defies my stereotype of a statistician. She moved into IT and had a few hugely successful decades at Shell, and she brought a raft of women alongside her to be successful as well. Amanda has a real spirit of excellence in whatever she's doing. It really comes across in the interview, whether it's parenting, nurturing, being a friend, being a spokeswoman for the STEAM movement, being a professional, but she's also just an incredibly approachable human. The themes of this interview for me are collaboration, the value of setting up others for success, and retaining your sense of self as you go out into the professional world. As always, I want to let the interviewee tell you the story, but I will say, to get a measure of the lady, you have to join her Career Mum Facebook group. And by the way, if you're a man or not a parent, you're welcome there too. Amanda has over a thousand members after some six months of the group being set up, and it's a very inspiring place to hang out. Enjoy, Amanda. So, okay, so it would be fantastic, Amanda, if you could talk a little bit, first of all, about your career at Shell, how you've grown up there, and how it came to an end December last year. Yeah, so um, I had a brilliant career at Shell. I have a lot of love for that company, and, and they've developed me into the human that I am today. I didn't join straight out of uni. I went to a job at IBM, and it turned out to not really be for me. I stayed a year just under a year and had an opportunity to move to Shell. So I basically applied for one job at Shell, went for the interview to work on their help desk, which I was doing at IBM, so an IT help desk role. I'd studied maths and computing, which I'd fell into because I loved maths at school after hating it in the early years, actually. And then I got a good teacher that helped me relate to maths and I developed a strong affinity with it. And I knew I wanted to go on to do maths at a degree level but I wasn't sure what I wanted to study alongside it because I was more of a statistician and I didn't just want to do pure maths. My dad said to me, my amazing dad, who we lost about 12 years ago, he never let me believe that as a woman, I was um, any less capable than as a man. So he told me, computing's the next big thing. Perhaps you should do maths and computing. And we found a course in Liverpool and I got in to do that. So it was the start of something brilliant, really, because I realised I quite loved computing and the logic behind it I'm not a big coder but I fell into a career in IT and my my degree actually had a a placement year so I had a year in industry where I went to work for a telecoms company uh, which was then called Mercury since became cable and wireless but I I worked on their IT help desk and it was where desk side and the first and second line support we call it were aligned so I was often with no health and safety consideration lugging big heavy laptops around the building fixing people's pcs going in and and changing hardware was a great learning opportunity for me and i realized that i loved from a math perspective something which was very closely linked to course centers queuing theory so bringing me back to when i started at shell i 
started to see where I could add value beyond my core IT help desk role, which was to share some of my queuing theory best practice. And I went to the managers to help them assess how they could best structure the help desk teams, make sure they had the right number of analysts ready to take calls, and ultimately help them evaluate new queuing theory software. Um, and through that, they saw other capability in me and I, I got promoted. I then went on to many different roles in Shell. So one of my main aspirations then in my 20s was to become help desk manager. It was the ultimate dream job for me. And the first time round on applying, I didn't get it. So that was really heartbreaking, actually. I remember being really sad for days and I probably wasn't ready for it, actually. And I wasn't mature enough for it. So the hiring manager called me into her office and said, you've not been yourself. She was a good friend as well you've not been yourself, you seem really down what's happening. And I stopped and said, I really wanted that job because I could really see where I could add value and leading a large team of people and inspiring them was something that I felt was my calling. So I reapplied for the role a couple of years later when I was just going off on my first maternity leave. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to be off likely a year. There'll be no way I'll get this role. But I did. And they waited for me to come back. They put somebody in place in a temporary position for a year and they waited for me to come back and I came back to a promotion. And this was probably one of my first learnings. So I got back to the role, help desk of 200 people. With the role, you also became the site host for Withenshaw, which is up near Manchester. So the IT representative on the site, making sure that all site decisions were made and also representing all of the IT community. So there's about 400 people in total. And within my first couple of weeks, I got called by our IT leadership team in the Netherlands to say that they were going to outsource the help desk. And I had to hold a town hall, which is basically where you get all of the IT community into a room and announce that to everybody, which was an incredibly challenging time. And I didn't have the right leadership to support uh, stood by me. I naively went into that presentation and I can't say that went well. And obviously there was people there who had been there at Shell for 20, 30 years. And I was telling them that their career was coming to an end. That was tough. Within a few weeks after that as well, I learned that my dad had a, a terminal brain tumour. And that was also tough. So my dream job suddenly became very real and very challenging, but also became my big comfort blanket through a very difficult time at home. I had a different focus through getting the teams through this challenge. So did you have, with the town hall, did you have HR support and legal support, people who were around advising you, or was that just a real baptism of fire? To be honest, it was a real baptism of fire. So we did have HR support on site, but they obviously hadn't been through this either. So I was really unequipped for the questions that were going to be thrown at me, like what will happen to my pension? What are the redundancy terms? Some of the questions I hadn't even considered. I'd never been through this before. The great thing about Shell is they tell you very early when there's going to be organisational change. So we were something like 18 months off this change happening and it was very early discussions. We hadn't selected a supplier to outsource to and it was really about being open and honest and transparent with all the staff. In hindsight, it was probably a bit early to be sharing that news and in hindsight, I should have insisted one of the CIO's leadership team was stood by me to make that announcement and represent the, uh, the leadership team. But I ended up then not going through the outsourcing 
myself. So I ended up staying at Shell, which again was a difficult decision because we'd outsourced to what became HP. And I was offered a move to HP in a good role, but I also managed to get a role in the downstream organization. So it was my first challenge really of where integrity matters. So I was really concerned about my integrity and how that reflected to my staff because I had encouraged them that HP would be the right place for them because if they wanted a career in IT, there was going to be some great opportunities. And that was the message that I was being given and I believed it. Mm-hmm. And then to then back out and actually stay in Shell myself, which was the right move for me, but felt very conflicting choice. I had to do what was right for myself though. And that's probably one of the early career learnings is nobody else is going to look out for you. You can have some amazing mentors and sponsors through your career which is really important but ultimately you are the ones that have to make the right choices for yourself that was probably 15 years ago and I went on to have an amazing career in shell downstream in the IT function uh, working across some brilliant projects in retail on our site systems and making sure our processes were all aligned and even some back office IT across integration services And then I had a surprise pregnancy in my third pregnancy in that it was twins. So that came as a big shock. I went off on maternity leave and through that maternity leave found that they were closing the Northwest hub. So you have to be connected to a hub in Shell. And they wanted people to either go expat or uh, move to London and likely move to London, really. And that wasn't an option for me. So I was made redundant, but I like to think that I made the choice to take redundancy because I could have secured a role in London if I pursued that option. And I didn't. I decided the time was right to perhaps leave Shell and see what else was out there and maybe have a break. So I came back from maternity in March 2016 and felt a bit deflated, if I'm honest. I'd asked them whether I could actually stay off on what we call gardening leave and bide my time out through my terms of redundancy till I finished my time at Shell. But they asked me to come back and lead a process and organizational change within one of the back office IIT teams. So it wasn't my dream job. I came back with four children, it was challenging. And I realized that if I was gonna get through every day, I had to do something where I was giving back and adding value. So beyond my core role, I contacted the UK country chair and the VP of HR and asked if I could support them in improving the maternity process because since my first and second maternity leave, I have four children, I'd felt that my third experience, especially through a significant organisational change, and one thing you can always be sure of in many organisations, and especially Shell, is there will always be change every couple of years. So I thought there's going to be lots of other people going through this, especially if it's their first pregnancy, there's going to be women dropping out early when if they'd had the right level of support and the process had been smoother, they perhaps wouldn't have dropped out. So I worked to improve the process. I also helped to develop a returnships proposal, which I left in the hands of HR, hopefully to be implemented this year. And I worked to develop a um, mentoring program. So one of the strategic objectives for the locations for IT was to move many of the positions to Bangalore in India. And in fact, that was actually the strategic plan for a lot of the businesses as well. So I got an agreement that I would set up a mentoring program for our future pipeline of women in Shell India. It became apparent that there were things happening generally at the 
more senior job levels and generally for people who've been highlighted as talent. And I wanted it to be accommodating for all. So I started to set that up and then word got out and we agreed, I agreed that I would do it for all of the businesses in India. So for the 2000 women in India, we set the foundations for a mentoring program. I don't believe it's actually completely rolled out yet. I've been in touch with some of the teams since I've left, but I have offered and, and keep pushing that if they need my support to get it done, I'm happy to step back in on a voluntary basis. I'm very passionate about, uh, about this because our future for the IT function, if we're going to have the right level of senior women, we need to support them coming up from the bottom. And those women are in Bangalore. And you mentioned before that we don't refer to this group of women who come from engineering tech as STEM anymore. It's STEAM. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing about IT is it's pervasive and I don't think everybody recognises this. And um, I've talked with a friend, Dina Turner, about this quite a lot because she's equally passionate and goes into schools to try and spread this message. I feel really uncomfortable when parents say or children say, yeah, I'm not into IT. I don't like computing. I don't want to do a career in IT. Well, actually, every subject, even the arts, so the STEAM, the A stands for art. So it's science, technology, engineering, arts and math has a big need for IT. And it's not about coding. But, you know, if you think about the films we go to watch now at the cinema, some of the tech that's in those films is incredible. It allows us to be a lot more creative. And when you're going about your daily business, if you think about all of the different IT and your TV, the tech that's needed in the TV, you know, simple things like you're using gadgets in the kitchen, IT's in everything. And I think we need to encourage our younger generations to see that and embrace what aspects of IT they might enjoy because careers in IT are so diverse. In my 20 year career, I have never coded. I did study coding at uni, not very good at it. I maybe might, if I get some time, might take up a learning in it. But I think that people don't recognize, you know, there's business analysis, there's analytical skills, there's project management skills. So if you're good at organizing people and you're, you're good at structure, then that would be good for you. These are all IT roles that are available and we need more women to um, embrace them. So just back to you and Shell, if we bring it up to 2017, what happened? Yeah, so I took redundancy. The last few months were hard, actually, and I knew that it was going to be a hard change for me. My learning when my dad was ill was, you know, we're all about looking after our physical health but we don't often do enough to look after our mental health. And I was really lucky then that the Shell service offered me some, it wasn't counselling as such, really. I would just go to a, an office in Shell and speak to the Shell nurse, or I can't remember what their role was, and they would just listen. And it just did a lot to get it off my chest. But I thought through this change, it's going to be a big change for my family as well, who were used to me being in a senior corporate role, travelling the world, uh, and I'm suddenly going to be home a lot, which they've welcomed, but it's also been a change. I needed some support. So I asked Shell to sponsor an executive coach for me, which was my first great decision. And I got a lady called Amanda Davies, who's been brilliant and given me some great tools to navigate through this change. And one of the things I mentioned to her was I had an aspiration to start blogging as the career mum. And the career mum is my identity. And really just to start to share the wealth of experience and learnings that I've had and been fortunate to be given and coached in through my career at Shell. So I started blogging 
And I realized every time I shared a post, I would get about 300 hits very early on. So I thought, actually, I want to start engaging with this audience. And how would I do that? Through having the twins, I'd actually started joining a lot of twin mum Facebook groups and communities. And one I'm, I'm still very active in. And the lady who runs it, Shaleen Khan, is really good at pulling her community together and, and building a kind of sense of family, for want of a better word. And I thought if I could build that community for the Career Mum audience, wouldn't that be amazing? So late November, I set up the Career Mum Facebook group and it's now going strong at almost two and a half thousand global members. And we get more joining every day. I'd say we're probably increasing at about 500 a month. And we're looking at how we can make it more accessible, the knowledge sharing a bit more structured and make it easier to navigate for people so that it becomes a really useful tool. But the best thing about the group is it's giving some great support and advice for women who are going through all of the challenges that we do when we're trying to make choices, whether it's to stay at home, be a stay at home mum, or stay at home and you're not a parent or have a career. There's men and women in the group because we all need the diverse advice that we can bring from from everybody really and it's just such a nice community so I'm really pleased with how that's going but on an even more positive note I decided uh, I was doing a lot of voluntary activity um, when I left Shell in January I was worried I was going to lose my identity as Amanda from Shell so I built my identity as Amanda the career mum and through that I spoke on panels I connected with a lot of the Northwest there's some amazing things going on in the UK around empowering women, but also panels that you can go and talk on, mentoring new business startups, some of the things I've got involved in. And in doing that, I was filling all of my free time that I didn't have my babies. So when they were with the nanny or in nursery, I was filling up my hours. And I thought, this is a bit crazy. Maybe I actually need to look to go back to work. And coincidentally, an old Facebook friend, an actual old school friend contacted me. And the only reason I'm connected to him is because about five years ago, another old school friend contacted me to say he was looking for a job in Shell and could I help him? So I spent quite a significant amount of time helping him through the interview process and he secured a job in Shell and he's doing brilliantly now. And through that, I connected with his friend from school and we've been connected on Facebook anyway. He contacted me and said, I've seen that you've left Shell. I think you'd be a great fit for Microsoft. How about I refer you internally? I thought, on leaving Shell, in all honesty, I thought I could never love another company like Shell. I've been loyal to them for 20 years. It's a bit like a relationship breakup. And I don't want to take that risk again. And I'm just going to go contracting uh, and maybe take the summer off. And I'll wait till after the summer to, to start my contract search. Through my coaching, I learned that I have a real need for a sense of belonging and became quite apparent to me that actually contracting probably wasn't suitable for me. So I thought, right, later in the year, I'll look for a role. Probably in the Northwest, it will have to be something less senior without as much flexibility to work from home that I've had from Shell. But okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see where that takes me. So I went through the interview process at Microsoft, up and down to Reading, met some amazing people, and I've secured a job at Microsoft. So I start there in a few weeks. We're still going through the contract signing so I'm sharing it a little early possibly and I was hesitant whether I was going to share it at this point but actually you know why not I, I think I'm, I'm ready to share it now I've, I've known for a couple of weeks that I've got the role 
I'm really, really excited. And I'm really excited to get into such an amazing company and, and, and see what else I can do to add value beyond my core role. Congratulations. I am thrilled for you. Microsoft are so yeah. fortunate to have you. Um, Thank you. You are going to absolutely fly there. Uh, and the, the role that you've described, I can see in the short time that I've known you from the Career Mum Facebook group, I can just see you have so many incredible skills to lend to that organisation and the role that you're doing. I wanted to read a quote to you that I know you're going to feel passionate about. And this is from Michelle Peluso at IBM. And she says that when women in STEM hit mid-career, they drop out of the workforce at an alarming rate. More than a yeah. half of women in non-exec STEM jobs leave the workforce whilst in their 30s. And for those who want to return to work, they're often unsure where to start. Uh, that's even true for women who've updated their skills for hot technologies like AI and blockchain, but who may feel out of step with the work culture they left behind. Now, you've touched on your passion for the women in Bangalore, but where do you think women can start if they're in that mindset of, I, I want to get back in, it's what I love doing? How do, how do they do it? I think, um, first of all, come to the Career Mum group. <laughs> we will help you develop and verbalise where your skills are. Because I think that's the first thing that women struggle with who've had a career break. And I hear it a lot. And even some of my amazing colleagues, we did a thread once early on in the Career Mum of everybody introducing themselves. And I asked everyone to introduce themselves and say what they were good at. And I had some amazing, really senior female shell colleagues, much more senior than me, that I'd worked with in the past through my career, really been impressed with. They've done a lot to support women. And they, they've said, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I've, I've not got much to say, really. And I was like, what? You've done these amazing things through your career and you've already forgotten or you've just lost that confidence. So come to the group, tell us about yourself and we will help you frame what you're good at and build that confidence again. Because really, that's what it's about. It's about self-belief. Um, you know, ironically, when I did send my CV into Microsoft for the role, I got rejected, actually, and I didn't mention that at the beginning. And I was like, I don't understand. Why have I been rejected? I can do that job because I've done a similar job at Shell. So then I spoke to HR at Microsoft and he said, you know, I really I like you. We've spoken and I will happily send your CV back if you want to rewrite it. So I looked at my CV and I thought, well, no, it reflects all of my career, but what am I missing? So I had a chat with him and we agreed I'd do a cover letter. So I extracted some of the really relevant things and went a bit deeper on them and sent the cover letter in. But my point is not any of that really. When I went in for the face-to-face -face interview, the hiring manager said, what I thought was unique about you was you were tenacious. You know, I'd said you couldn't do the job and you just didn't give up. So I thought I'd give you a chance. And look, here we are, three months down the line, and I've got the role, slightly different role, but actually they said, maybe you're not right for this role, but you hopefully will be right for this other role, which we think will be well suited for you. If I'd have had a career break, I wouldn't have had that confidence to be tenacious. Even if I'd have only taken a year out, I probably would have already lost that. And it's very easily done, and I recognise it from when I've been on maternity leaves and you come back lacking in confidence. So I can only imagine after two, five, ten years of a career break, it's really hard get the right support around you to try and build you up again and help you understand where your talents and skills lie. I love develop and verbalize where your skills are and we will help you frame what you're good at 
I agree with you. It's the nub of it. And you need people around you to do that. Yeah. Two points. I, I love the fact that you got your amazing high-flying role through an old Facebook contact. It just yeah. goes to show how you need to be networked. And that brings me on to my next question of you. You are clearly a stellar networker. Uh, the way you talk about the events that you've got yourself to in yeah. the Northwest, the way that you built up your internal community at Shell, Mm-hmm. And of course, this amazing group that I'm also enjoying, really enjoying being part of. It's really feeding me. With your your networking, why do you think it's important? I think people shy away from networking when we use that word because some people associate it as being a bit of a dirty word. And some people think that they're not good at networking. I guess I'm fortunate in that. People have asked me, am I an extrovert or an introvert? And I think I'm an extrovert because I do get my energy from meeting people. But in many social situations, I would class myself as an extroverted introvert because I can easily go into a room and be intimidated by all the cool people or just like anybody, you know. But in a business situation, I am usually fairly confident. I really like connecting people. I get great joy from putting two people together who then go off and have a discussion that helps them. And I think I think of networking as somebody, I, I might be meeting someone, I don't know where that discussion is going to take me. I'm going to learn about somebody new. It's really exciting. I might learn something new from chatting to them or I might find an opportunity from chatting to them. So try and embrace the positivities of it. And if you're nervous, tell the host when you go to an event, you know, go and introduce yourself and say, I'm not used to this. I'm feeling a bit nervous. Some of the events that I've run this year, so I've I've launched with a co-host team of uh, three other people who I've just met through doing this who are brilliant, hashtag LinkedIn local. So if you look on LinkedIn and search for hashtag LinkedIn local, it's gone viral around the world and it's about connecting the humans behind the LinkedIn profiles in your local area. And it's in, I think, 200 cities now around the world. And so it's really about quite informal networking and UK Fast in Manchester hosted the first event earlier this year. And I was quite surprised because I'd not done many external networking events, if any. I can't think of any that I'd done. I'd done a lot internally in Shell and I was the women in IT community lead for a while. So that was a lot about bringing the IT, female IT community together and encouraging some men to join too. But external events I've not been to. So I didn't really have any pre-expectations or comparisons. But people said it was the best networking event they went to because we discourage, we actively discourage people from saying, what do you do? I went to an Mm -hmm. event last year and a senior woman, I'm assuming, walked up to me and in a very intimidating tone, she said, and what do you do? And it sounded more like an accusation. And I I was immediately like, no, what's the did? I have no idea. I don't know what to tell her. Felt a bit intimidated, my tongue tied. So I think that's an awful question in all honesty. And especially for people who might be, in between careers or a stay-at-home mum, which is a brilliant career, but it's just not a nice question. So that's one thing we discouraged, but it's about getting to know people. So we encourage people to ask things like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you have any pets? You know, what's your favorite color? And through those discussions, then you start to learn things about the human you're talking to. And it's not just a cold, handing over of business cards and people build relationships. And that's what networking is all about for me. Completely agree. 
So when, you, when you've been doing your networking, do you think that it's an innate skill that you have or do you think it's something that you can develop? So you could go from being quite introverted and thinking, this is totally daunting and I'm going to have a giant glass of wine before I even open my mouth in this room. Can you evolve? I think you can. It's really hard for me to say because I do think it comes naturally to me and that I get energy from meeting new people. And so I have not been in the position of being somebody that is physically drained from meeting new people. And I know that happens to people. So I don't want anybody to feel kind of incompetent or any less of an equal because it's not a natural thing to them. But networking is about connecting one-to-one. So it's not necessarily about going into a big room and talking to a load of people. Laura, you and I have met through the group and this is networking. You know, we're talking one-to-one and having a great discussion. And I, I didn't know you last year. So it's about embracing, making new connections and maybe having a chat with them one-to-one. That's building the network. I agree with you. And I think I probably sit somewhere in the middle in that I'm, and I've, I've found a word for it called ambivert, which oh. is somebody who is a little bit in the middle. And I'm like you, I get a tremendous amount of energy from meeting people, probably more one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three. Um, but then I need a lot of time on, on my own as well. That's, that's just yeah. who I am. And I love what you're saying about not, judging that not judging in others not judging it in ourselves being accepting of the way that we get energy is really key when you're coming back to work and and avoiding the things that sap the life out of you but to reframe networking i'm going to try and think of another word for it because it is just finding a connection isn't it yeah connecting yeah that's what it is yeah and it doesn't have to be over will you get me a job because i'm looking it can be over We've got something in common as people. Let's start a conversation and see where it goes. And I think it's about going into any event or making any connection without an agenda, except mm. for trying to make a connection with some somebody. And then yeah. you're leaving the possibilities open rather than closing the experience and, and limiting it to if I didn't get a job out of that event or a, a new fresh contact in a great company I want to work for, then I've failed. Yeah, there's no failing. Yeah, definitely. LinkedIn Local, I've got to look up. Yeah. Because this would be an amazing thing for women going back to work, to be actually... Yes, yeah. And then we don't have to worry about so much about our profile and our CV and, and all of that outward appearance. It's much more, here I am as a person. Exactly, yeah. And you just don't know who you're going to meet at these events. So the launch, we had almost 100 people and we're looking to do another before the summer. And I know that they're regularly in London. Alexandra Galvez, or Authentic Alex, as she's known on LinkedIn, she was the European launch. She's great. And she's got such an amazing story to tell. She's a very good speaker. But she's also very natural and easygoing. And she wants to connect people. Look her up on LinkedIn. So she basically decided one day she'd left her big corporate career and decided that she wanted to try and connect with some of the people that she'd made friends with on LinkedIn that were in her area, so suggested a pub meetup. And then she happened to see that a lady in Australia, she saw on LinkedIn that she was doing something similar, but she contacted her and said, well, let's have a pilot of a hashtag LinkedIn local across three continents. So they were just going to get 
the third continent in and see how it ran. Within months, it had gone viral on LinkedIn. And like I say, it's now in over 200 cities and growing every day. Brilliant. Must jump on and have a look. One final question for you. With the experience of coming back into work, how important has your mindset been in this return to work? Critical, actually. So I've used a lot of the tools that Amanda gave me through my coaching. And I've also reached out to the group. So along the way, I've had a lot of imposter syndrome, if you're all familiar with that. And I've had days where the lack of structure and the need for self-motivation has been particularly challenging. I'm used to working to deadlines, delivering value-added work to businesses. And so I was being, you know, had a list of chores that I had to do every day, household tasks that didn't motivate me. I felt suffocated by them. So I did reach out to the group on days like that and was very honest and transparent and got great support to get me through till the next day and usually you wake up the next day and everything seems a bit fresher and your know, perspectives changed but resilience and perspective are really important and I, I did a talk recently about how important resilience is because our children unfortunately don't get taught enough of this at schools and we need to demonstrate it and be role models and show that life's not smooth and we need to ride those waves and everything will work out in the end. Completely agree. Amanda Newman, you're incredible. You're so inspiring and you're warm and encouraging. Thank you for the opportunity, Laura. It's brilliant what you're doing with Comeback Girl. 